Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Support for MPB comes from Mississippi Boy Choir, celebrating Mississippi with music on Saturday, May 20th at 3 p.m. at St. Andrew's Cathedral. Live auditions will follow the concert. Details at mississippiboychoir.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, May 19th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Southern Poverty Law Center says Governor Phil Bryant's authority to make budget cuts is unconstitutional. Find out why. The Constitution makes clear that those decisions can be made by the legislature and the legislature alone. Vicksburg area residents brace for a weekend without running water. Hear what local officials plan to do to help. Athletes from around the state will compete at the Mississippi Special Olympics this weekend. And the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra is preparing for its final events of the season, including tonight's long-awaited Pepsi Pops. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Southern Poverty Law Center has filed a lawsuit on behalf of two Mississippi legislators calling Republican Governor Phil Bryant's budget cuts unconstitutional. The lawsuit requests funding from Governor Bryant's mid-year cuts to be returned to state agencies, including $20 million to public schools. Plaintiffs in the suit are State Representative Bryant Clark of Pickens and Senator John Horn of Jackson, both Democrats. At issue, whether the governor has authority to make budget cuts or if cuts must be made by the legislature. Will Bartwell is an attorney at the Southern Poverty Law Center. He tells MPB's Mark Rixby... It violates the separation of powers. Under the Mississippi Constitution, there is a doctrine called the separation of powers. And under the separation of powers, courts have explained that no branch of government can exercise another branch's core powers, uh, and that if they do so, that's a violation of the Constitution, that they've overstepped their bounds. The courts have also explained that budget-making is a core power of the legislature. Uh, And so our clients, Representative Clark and Senator Horn, uh, believe that uh, the legislature is the only branch of government that should be making budget-making decisions, and that when Governor Bryant starts getting into the budget-making business, he violates the separation of powers. Now, whenever the governor has announced state budget cuts, he's always said that it is his responsibility to do that. Are you saying that he's not telling the truth? Well, no governor is above the law, 
the Mississippi Constitution sets limits on the power of the executive branch, just like it sets limits on the power of every other branch of government. And under our constitutional system of government, only the legislature can make mid-year budget cuts. Now, no one is saying that mid-year budget cuts can't happen. Uh, we certainly understand the governor's concerns uh, about, uh, about these things, and if he believes that this is a problem that needs to be addressed, he would fully be within his rights to call a set special session of the legislature, uh, explain to them uh, what he believes to be the problem, and ask them to take action. Uh, but what he can't do is circumvent the legislature uh, deprive them of their constitutional authority to make budget-making decisions and just do it arbitrarily himself. And unfortunately, that's what he's been doing. Now, in the past uh, year, there have been several mid-year budget cuts. So what you're saying is that the legislature needs to convene each time that's done. The Constitution makes clear that uh, the legislature is the only branch of government that can make those decisions. These are big decisions. You know, these are not run-of-the-mill things, despite the fact that uh, it's been happening in Mississippi more often. Anytime you start talking about altering the budget in the middle of a year, that's a huge decision. It appears that your argument is focused on the funding for public school education. Can you talk about that? The cuts to MAEP are certainly what left Representative Clark and Senator Horn feeling like uh, the problem couldn't go unaddressed anymore. Uh, but if we are successful in persuading the courts that these mid-year budget cuts are uh, an overstepping of Governor Bryant's authority, uh, then we will be asking the courts to roll back all of the mid-year budget cuts in February and March, not just the ones to MAEP. Do you think it's reasonable to make that request when the state doesn't have the kind of revenues that it expected this year? Well, that's a question that has to be left to the legislature. Again, nobody is saying that mid-year budget cuts themselves are unconstitutional if the correct branch of government makes those decisions. Didn't the Mississippi Supreme Court rule in uh, the early 80s that budget control is a function of the executive branch? That is the same case in which the Mississippi Supreme Court held that budget making is a legislative power. So obviously this case is going to come down to uh, what is the difference between budget making and budget control. When it comes to changing the amounts uh, that are allocated to state agencies, that's budget making, and that is a legislative responsibility. What do you hope the outcome of this lawsuit will be? Well, I, I hope that the outcome of this lawsuit is that uh, people's representatives uh, in the legislature uh, are finally allowed back into the decision-making over one of the most important functions of state government, which is funding public schools. The Constitution makes clear that those decisions can be made by the legislature and the legislature alone. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we hope that the courts will stand by that. Will Bardwell, an attorney for the Southern Poverty Law Center, thanks for being on Mississippi Edition. It's been my pleasure.
In a statement, Governor Bryant says the Southern Poverty Law Center apparently holds Mississippi taxpayers in such low regard that it's willing to jeopardize the state's financial health for a meaningless academic exercise. We will vigorously defend responsible budgeting policies from this ridiculous lawsuit. The case will be heard in Hines County Chancery Court. Coming up, it could be a long weekend for residents of Vicksburg who are still without water. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Vicksburg area residents are bracing for a weekend or longer without running water. As a result of backwater from the Mississippi River, the city's 36-inch line is submerged under 12 feet of water. Crews have already begun constructing a dam that will solve the flooding. Following the removal of the water, the pipe also has to be dug out of five feet of dirt. The city of Vicksburg and donors from surrounding cities are providing water to citizens at several locations. George Flaggs is the mayor of Vicksburg. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware residents must be patient. What we had is a break from a 36-inch pipe that is submerged on a flood back of water uh, from the Mississippi River. Uh, so it's about 12 feet deep uh, from just the surface and then 5 feet from there. And what we had to do is to do a dam around it and then try to pump the water out to even get to it to repair it. So what's it going to take, that preparation? Well, we're within 30% of completing the dam, and then we're going to start pumping the water out. As quick as we can pump the water out, we can start digging out and getting around that pipe. And how long is this going to take? Well, right now, we gave, it, we gave ourselves five days, but we may be able to shorten it in as much as that the dam is 30% uh, less complete. So is this about five days until the water is restored? Well, within five as of yesterday. So this is the second day. Uh, it happened yesterday about 11 o'clock. The day right now is 12, so we we 24 hours an hour, 25 hours away from uh, from when it happened. Is there any preparation that you're doing, like say beforehand, to prevent something like this from happening? Well, we we do have a preventive plan. We've always uh, uh, thought that the 36 inch line alone was not enough to uh, depend on for the city because of its uh, oldness of of this line, and we had already made preparation for another additional line, but it's just within the process. What is all of this meaning for the citizens of Vicksburg? They without water. And we're going to try to restore water as quick as we can and ask them to be patient and tolerant uh, with us and continue to forgive us. So how are they accessing water? Will you tell me a little bit about that? We have three uh, distribution sites. Uh, we have one at the mall. Uh, we have one at Salvation Army. And we have one at uh, Energy on 61. So those sites you can get drinking water. But if you need water to flush your toilet or anything or to do other things with, you can get it from Sherman Avenue School, uh, which is just north of town. Uh, it's Cork and Water District. So moving forward, will this building of this dam help? What's going on moving forward? Absolutely. If we can get this dam uh, secure and get the water out, we're on our way. I will, we'll have a better assessment that by 12 o'clock tomorrow. George Flags is the mayor of Vicksburg. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you. Mayor Flags says the river is expected to crest on Sunday. 
In other news, the NAACP believes a collegiate softball tournament shouldn't be played in Mississippi because the state flag contains the Confederate battle emblem. The University of Mississippi in Oxford is hosting an NCAA regional tournament today through Sunday after a win over Louisiana State University. Derek Johnson is state president of Mississippi's NAACP. He tells MPB's Matt Kessler why the organization is protesting. NAACP, we're asking the NCAA to uphold their policy of not playing tournament games in states that have racial hate symbols embedded in their flags. NCAA has a long-standing policy of not doing so. We understand that there is an exception in the case of of softball tournaments. Uh, however, there should not be an exception to racism. And therefore, any policies should be extended across the board. I have a statement from the NCAA that I'd like to get your comment on. The NCAA says that championships where student athletes earn the opportunity to play a championship on their own campus are not covered in the Confederate flag policy. Do you have a response to that? Well, exceptions to racism should not be tolerated. We applaud players who have achieved success during their regular season year, but any game sanctioned by the NCAA should carry the policy of banning activity in states that have Confederate emblems. The state of Mississippi has decided to keep the Confederate emblem in the state flag, And as a result of that, we're asking the NCAA to expand their policy to cover any activity sanctioned by the NCAA to stand with us and protest. The University of Mississippi has responded as well. Their response is that the flag has not flown on their athletic facilities since 2014, and the state's flag was removed from campus in 2015. What's your response to that? So the University of Mississippi is a state institution. We are in protest against the state flag. Just because a building, a facility, or a specific institution has removed the flag, do not remove the stain of racial hatred that's embedded in our state flag. And so that response isn't acceptable. It's unfortunate that students who perform well have to be punished as a result of policymakers' decisions to uphold legacies of the past. But that legacy of the past also represents pain and suffering of close to 40% of the state's population. Does the NAACP see progress in the attempt to remove the Confederate emblem from the state flag? Well, the question of progress is, is based on outcome. And it is a state flag that the current set of policymakers have decided to ignore the multiple calls of municipalities, of school districts, of universities to remove the flag. It is an embarrassment, and it should not be on national display. Thanks very much. Thank you. The NCAA says that ban doesn't apply to tournament games in which the team earns home field advantage. The tournament begins tonight at the University of Mississippi. Coming up, it's time for the Special Olympics Mississippi Summer Games. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Gulf Coast is gearing up for the Mississippi Special Olympic Games this weekend. Law enforcement officers have been running across the state with a torch flame that will light the cauldron and kick off the summer games. Monica Daniels is executive executive director of Special Olympics Mississippi, and Sam Wells is the marketing and development director. The two tell us about the athletes vying for the gold. Our summer games is the culmination of hard work of athletes across the state who have been working and training to get to this point and starting with our opening ceremonies, we will light the torch and police officers from across the state started on Monday at the very northern tip of Mississippi and they have been running and are still running all week to light the torch that will kick off the 2017 Summer Games. All day Saturday, close to a thousand athletes will be competing in over 19 sports, uh, 30 different track and field events alone bocce, swimming, tennis, golf, real competition for these athletes. And the event continues through the 21st, Sunday. Sunday. This year is a qualifying year for our 2018 National Games. So the athletes that have made it to compete to state competition, those that advance and are gold medalists will have the opportunity to compete on the national stage um, in 2018. It's very, very exciting. We couldn't do it without Keesler Air Force Base. They have been doing this with us for 31 years. They open up the entire base and turn it into Special Olympics Mississippi as a town. There'll be over 4,000 people there volunteering. It's just incredible. So what are the qualifications to participate in this event? So to be a Special Olympics athlete, one must have an intellectual disability. So that is what makes it different from, say, um, Paralympics. Um, and people get those confused a little bit. Paralympics are people that are physically disabled or in a wheelchair or um, an amputee, something like that but are not intellectually disabled. So our athletes are training and competing and um, working to overcome and to do the best they can with the diagnosis of an intellectual disability. Is there an age range? We have athletes from 8 to 82. We actually have a bowler (laughs) in Carthage, Mississippi, who is 84 years old. Are they practicing training throughout the year? They are. Uh, The state is divided up into about 20 areas. Uh, So, you know, from hill country, Delta, mid-region, Hattiesburg, the coast, and all of those uh, athletes in those areas compete year-round. And they have local area events. And the bulk of that work is uh, led by area directors who are all volunteers. And they are working to get these athletes ready to do state competitions, which we have three of. Summer Games is by and large our largest competition. But we have Spring Games, which is a basketball tournament. Um, Over 400 athletes do that in the spring. And then in the fall, we have Fall fall Games. Now, Sam, you've got a t-shirt that you designed for the Special Olympics. Tell us a little bit about it. You know, it's just the sky's the limit, meaning you can achieve whatever you want to achieve, no matter the disability that you're faced with. You're going to see some incredible athleticism disability or or no there are incredible athletes that are going to be participating in these games so if you're a sports fan on the coast come and check it out with us uh, i mean it's going to be great awesome to see the law enforcement community who's come together all across the state the entire air force base at keesler 
basically opening their garage doors and bedrooms to house all these athletes and welcome their families in. And then, of course, the athletes themselves, as they're going to be given a stage to really put on a show for everyone there to see. So it's going to be great. Has Mississippi had gold medal winners to participate nationally? We have, and we actually have had a three-time national gold medalist equestrian. Our athletes are pretty incredible, as Sam was saying. They really are. It's the Olympics. Well, I thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us about this wonderful event. Yeah. Thank you. Happy to do it. The Special Olympic Games begin today and continue through noon Sunday. Coming up, details on Pepsi Pops at the Res. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Two years ago this week, legendary blues musician B.B. King died. Born Riley B. King on a cotton plantation near Itabina in 1925, he was a self-taught guitarist who performed on street corners and church choirs and juke joints. His nickname, B.B., stands for Blues Boy. His big break came when he performed on Sonny Boy Williamson's radio program, and from there, his career skyrocketed. He defined modern electric blues, influencing rock and blues guitarists alike. He was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, won 15 Grammys and a Lifetime Achievement Grammy as well. But B.B. never forgot his roots and returned every year to play a free homecoming concert. His final homecoming was his memorial service at the B.B. King Museum in Indianola, where people came from around the globe to pay tribute. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Fans of the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra are celebrating 36 years of Pepsi Pops today. The annual event takes place at Old Trace Park on the Ross Barnett Reservoir and draws crowds of Mississippians from across the state. At 7.30 p.m. this evening, the maestro and the MSO will take the stage for a rousing concert. That is um, going to play patriotic marching songs and a lot of Americana favorites. Michael Beatty is MSO President and Executive Director. He tells MPB's Karen Brown how the event started. This year is 36. 36 years? Yes, but it started before that. It's just that it's been called that for 36 years. Was it started as a celebration to spring, the start of summer? What was the intent? You know, I think that it really was another way to reach people with the orchestra. I think that was their motivation. And somebody said, here's this reservoir and it's gorgeous out here. Let's do an outdoor concert. And it landed in May because none of us in this climate wants to sit amongst the bugs in July and listen to an outdoor <laughs> concert. And the uh, orchestra, they sort of had their backs to the reservoir. So right. the audience so, is watching. Oh, it's a stunning uh, view. It's, yeah. as, it's as pretty a location as any orchestra has in the country because of the water. And oftentimes the, the moon is visible over the reservoir and there are boats that gather. This is such a family event. There are families that are picnicking there at the Old Trace Park. There are fireworks that follow the concert. Is it right to assume that the music is, you don't have to give us a playlist, but is more Americana in nature? Oh, it absolutely is. It's Broadway tunes. It's current pop music. Many years we've done things like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, arrangements for orchestra. It's all of that. And there's John Philip Sousa. There's America the Beautiful. There's that kind of Americana. 
and some traditions of things we do every year. And of course, you're correct. It closes with fireworks, which we've moved closer the last couple of years. So it's almost overhead and pretty spectacular. We have advanced groups that perform because people come so early. The gates gates open at 4.30. They do. And the main orchestra concert isn't until 7.30. And so there are three advanced groups. This year, it's the Mississippi Youth Symphony, which has had a really, really great year. And then Southern Comfort, which is that fabulous band from Jackson State University. And the neat thing that they do is they don't just sit up front and play. They move around in the audience and and then form a line up front. But they are just a rousing, rousing group. And then the advanced groups round out with Mississippi Swing, which does pretty much what you would expect. It's kind of a big band group. It, it's just amazing what brown bottling has helped us create over these 36 years. Well, again, it's on Friday. It and is. The gates open at 4.30. The concert itself begins at 7.30. Fireworks to follow. This is a ticketed event. Is there a website people can go to for the yes. tickets? Yes, msorchestra.com. It's as simple as going there, msorchestra.com. Tickets are $12 in advance and 15 at the gate, so it's easy to get tickets. Okay, that's enough with that event, but, but we want to talk about other events that you have coming up. We're very excited. This is something that we do on a regular basis, and you might know just by seeing our name that we have a commitment beyond the Jackson metro area. And one way we fulfill that is to do programs like Pepsi Pops, which bring people from pretty far away. But we also move around the state. Uh, I think when we last talked, I mentioned that our Mozart by Candlelight was in three different cities, Jackson, Brookhaven, and Vicksburg. And so we do that as regularly as we can. And we have in May concerts that will be very similar to Pepsi Pops in other communities. These are all outdoor mm-hmm. concerts, which is, is really great. People just love them. It's a relaxed atmosphere, and you can have your whole family and get up and move as you need to. We are at the Vicksburg Military Park on Memorial Day weekend on Saturday, May 27th. That's a 7 p.m. concert, and that's put together by the Friends of the Military Park. They have special parking areas and shuttles that run to the park. It's really a spectacular evening Yeah, it really sounds like something. Again, gates open at 4.30 this afternoon for Pepsi Pops. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 is the Gestalt Gardener at 10. Next stop, Mississippi. At 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or down.